Hello, and welcome to episode 98 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Nick. I'm LP. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. And as you can tell, Marshall is missing this week, and we dearly miss him. Kind of. But we are going to mix it up a little bit, change things a little bit. If you guys haven't caught our last two episodes of covering Charlie Jane Andrews and Never Say You Can't Survive... Go ahead and hop on that now. Pick up the book. Follow along. We have a few more episodes coming with that, but we wanted to mix it up a little bit um, as we're the four of us are in San Diego together right now with a live audience member. (laughs) A audience member. um, (laughs) And we decided to kind of mix it up a little bit. So, Will, I'm going to pass the torch over to you on this one great um i mean i want to say yay to all of us actually being in the same room again it's been almost a year so that's really exciting um while we're tired we're still gonna have lots of energy for the next hour right i took a five-hour energy i'm not tired anymore okay i'm trying we'll make it happen (laughs) (laughs) so today what we're actually going to talk about is you know all, all of us have met either um at a workshop, through a workshop, at a con, or through some type of community. industry community event. And it was really important um, for us to, we've shared in the past, Marshall and Nick have shared in the past about how they met at Writing Excuses. I met Nick through Futurescape. And then we met um, Brent through social we stalked media, his Twitter. actually. Let's yeah, that's really honest. what it we was. Stalked his yeah, we were like months. his number one fans before he had We were like, fans. how do we get him on the show? Yeah, I just kept DMing him. Like, oh my God, you like that too? Me too. Please come on the show. And then he did. And then his arms took the spotlight. Now his titties are out come for on, the convention. So, I mean, it's just and everything. my booty last weekend, apparently. Yeah. So that's Wait. Just, now, yeah. yeah. Your ass was on display last weekend? Yeah. I had my short shorts on. Okay. Festival. Oh, I mean, look, live your best. I just mm. didn't know that we're just going to objectify every part of you. Good job. Yes, that's what's happening. And he has a brain. I'm like super the talented the part writer. That I'm most most familiar with. Yes. The titties were new a couple weeks ago, but the brain is the part Popping I know out. the best. Twitter was on fire. It's just great. Just titties out. No memes though. Not like not with the arms. Not they yet. Did a meme with the. Not yet. Wait until they listen to this episode. Sarah then they're going to be like, "Oh hell yeah, oh, I'm God. googling that shit." Sarah Macklin was struggling with my conversation about your titties having gravity because I keep trying to look at your face and the titties just. I did. Oh, I did man. wear a provocative shirt to the yeah. Night Awards. So oh, and, this is my and he fault. probably was like, "Oh, this shirt provocative? No, <laughs> no." Actually, I, I knew it was going to be okay. that one. Was I actually? I okay, full on. So I full on leaned into it for yeah. the Night Awards. That was yeah. on purpose. Yeah. But then Sheree was like, "Oh, am I wearing too many sleeves?" <laughs> 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 let's let's yeah. get on target here. So yeah, we're sorry. together clearly. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk to LP about his experience in Clarion. So first, let's roll back. Let's talk about um, you just applying to Clarion. Mm-hmm. Like, what was just getting ready to apply? What was the application process like? And what was going through your head when you were Can ready I to match? Jump in ahead of that. Yeah, go ahead. What is Clarion? Okay, so Clarion is a, what, fucking 60-year-old institution. It was essentially conceived uh, right as the writing workshop became conceived in the States. And the writing workshop is like the method by which most writing is taught throughout the world at this point. Um, And uh, it's existed in several iterations at several universities. The first one was Clarion University in Pennsylvania, but it's where a lot of science fiction, fantasy, and horror writers have gone to, like, cut their teeth. Um, getting into Clarion is super exclusive. Like, you're more likely to get into an MFA program than you are to get into Clarion. Um, there are just 18 spots in a year. So uh, so there's that. And then, like, really big names come out of it, like Jeff Vandermeer, like uh, Christopher Rowe, like uh, Carmen Maria Machado, um, Sam J. Miller, like... A bunch of people who are big now, you know, went to Clarion in 2012 and all the way back. And, like, you'll see names kind of, like, rise up in the ranks as this goes on. Um, So there's that part of it. Um, And then uh, to Will's question about the process of applying to Clarion, I had no idea I was going to get into Clarion. I was very sure that I wanted to get my writing up and I wanted to get my applications up. And so knowing 
that that might be a journey for me. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to pray and spray. I'm going to apply for everything <laughs> and I'm going to practice applying for things. And this will be the way that I do it. So in 2019, I did that. Uh, I got into um, Hurston Wright, which is a black writing workshop uh, out of DC uh, at Howard. And then 2020, I applied to everything and I got into Vona and I got into Clarion. And that was like, four years ahead of schedule for me because I figured it was you know, it'd probably take about six, seven years to get in. Um, and so when I got in, I was just like, wait, are you, w- wait, what? Huh? Huh? Is this real life? Is This isn't. It, I'm, I'm dead. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And so you applied in 2019 thinking you were going to- 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. You applied 2020 and then thinking you were going to, what, uh, what time, what period did you apply in 2020? Was it before the pandemic hit? Yeah. I mean, I think I applied in like February. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied in February. I remember March 13th, I was actually sending off my application for Odyssey, which is a mailed application because they don't do, uh, they don't do electronic blah, blah, blah. Uh, and like it was the day at the restaurant where like everything's were dying down, like, Sunset and Vine in Los Angeles was a ghost town. I stopped at the FedEx to get like an envelope and send my things off. And I was like, oh, something's weird. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and then I think within a couple of days, I got my acceptance letter at Clarion, uh, which was very cool. But we were also like, at the beginning of this pandemic, I have no idea what that means or what that looks like. Like looking back on it from two years later, it's like, oh, bitch, that you, <laughs> y'all would never go anywhere. But we didn't know that then. So did you know any of your... So you get accepted to Clarion, mm-hmm. then the uh, pandemic starts happening. Was there talk of it at the time of it going online and not being in person? Or how? what was that experience like? <clears throat> the first year, everyone was very adamant that there's no way that we could have a Clarion experience that was online. They were like, no, it has to be in person. It has to be residential. Like, even if you live in San Diego, you have to do this thing. You have to you have to be on campus with the people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, like great. 2021, they were like, well, do you guys want to do an online version? And Clarion West did do an online version. Uh, let's go back. Clarion West is another, it was an offshoot of Clarion. Uh, they were like, hey, you guys are centered on the East Coast. We'll do one on the West Coast. Eventually, Clarion moved from uh, Pennsylvania to Michigan to San Diego. So it's at UCSD now. Um, and so um, now both of them are on the West Coast, but uh, Clarion West also has a really vibrant history and like a really great alumni list and always really fantastic list of uh, uh, instructors for every year. So I'll chop them out. So uh, 2020 goes by, you all, your whole entire group. All right. So mm-hmm. Clarion, um, you 2020 passes. You say it has to be um, in person. 2021 hits. And you're like, could we do it online? But the consensus was still, let's do it in person. The the, the organization wanted to know if we would do it online. And we're like, no, nah, I mean, you guys were so adamant about this initially. We'll just wait until we could do it in person. But it wasn't until like, I want to say like April or May when we actually got the word that we weren't going to do it because of, I think, insurance reasons at UCSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what ended up happening was 12 of the 18 of us ended up grabbing an Airbnb in Sacramento or outside of Sacramento and just like spending some time together reading and, and writing together and like just um, fellowshipping. Uh, and it was really great for us because in a lot of cases, a lot of us hadn't met yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, one of my things about meeting people that I know from online is like the, the hug differential. Like, I don't know where you're going to land on my body when we hug. And I'm just like, oh, this is cool. You're you're shorter than I thought you'd be or you're taller than I thought you'd be. This is really nice. This is cool. Yeah. So and also I'm with uh, at that point, that time, uh, 11 people who are brilliant that I adore. Amazing. And how many people were total accepted into that class? 18. Uh, 18 initially. Um, some things happened and three people didn't come. Uh, and so three alternates were put in, um, at the last minute were they put in or no. Uh, so one person got into Clarion West and Clarion and they decided to go to Clarion West. And so that got us one person. So that person's been with us for two years. And then, uh, last year, uh, one of our cohort decided to have a baby and so the due date was around the second week of Clarion. Mm-hmm. So 
she wasn't coming. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another person who opted out. And so we got two new people in like April. Awesome. And then you, and the, uh, and there was 11 of you that went to meet in Sacramento, like 12. Yeah. Yeah. 12 before, like, was it a year before a year um, before a year before? Yeah. So you were already gelling like mm-hmm. as a group and seeing each other's strengths and weaknesses. And you were building this great bond, which is a great advantage compared to like classes in the past. Right. Because they only have like two months yeah. and they don't, they don't spend time with each other. Like, yeah. Most of them are like in their heads, like trying to figure out what they're going to do to get there. Yeah. Because getting to Clarion is a pain in the ass. So you've had like a whole entire year. You meet some of your cohorts, you go on like this little retreat with them. You know, what was your, what was your wish that Clarion would do? for your personal writing journey? I mean, so it's really interesting because the be- my wish in the beginning is different from my wish when I went because two years have passed. A lot of my career kind of happened in those two years mm-hmm. uh, for better and worse. And so, um, you know, I really just wanted to go and like learn how to be a stronger writer and like just figure out like what it is I needed to figure out. That's what I wanted in 2020. But in 2022, like I have friends in the industry and like I've published in some places and people kind of know my name, which is cool. Uh, but like, I also wanted to go to Clarion. I wanted to be led, you know, like I still want to learn to write better. I still want to, to, to figure out how to level up in whichever way that's possible. Right. Um, but the other side of that is that I have a good amount of like perspective. So like, you kind of can't just tell me anything and expect me to like go along with it. And I think that's also true for all of us because we'd spent, you know, two years together. And so there could be a version of it where, like, (laughs) we were there for each other and hopefully something will happen with the the instructors. Now, we talked um, prior to you going to Clarion and, you know, I think there was a lot of talk about, like, how sometimes people stopped writing after workshops, stopped writing after Clarion for a certain time. Mm -hmm. Was there this energy of that? Were you nervous if this was going to quote unquote, like break you and um, not make you want to write? I mean, there are two versions of this answer. One's from before and one's for after, right? So before I was like, you know what? I'm just game. I'm going to throw myself at it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get what I need to get and blah, blah, blah. Right. But from 2021 to 2022, I've had a lot of fallow periods of writing, uh, which usually centers around how much community work I'm doing. So like the more community work I'm doing, the less time that I have to write and the less bandwidth I have for that. And at the outset, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to throw myself at it because that worked in 2019 and I got published, right? Great. So uh, instead, so I was just going to throw myself at it, right? Um, and then the other side, could you repeat the question one more time? You know, did you feel like, you know, was were you afraid that Clarion was going to break you? Like it was going to like break you in a way that made you didn't want to write for a little bit or break you in a way that was positive or negative? Because, you know, that term can be it's loaded. Well, there are two ways. because So one thing is that <clears throat> there's a an archive from the 60s up through 2016 when the records started being digitized. And so we have access to these records, right? Like we can like request them the at the library and the people at the library will bring them out and you know watch us while we <laughs> while we look at them we'll pour over work by Kaya Shanti Wilson by work mm-hmm. by like like early work by Kaya Shanti Wilson right like mm-hmm. Carmen Maria Machado etc cetera, etc cetera. um Nino Cipri uh uh Vita Cruz Borgia who just won a um an Ignite award um and one of the things that struck me was the number of like really big names now or people that at least I recognize, but also in each of those cohorts, like the number of names that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, I think, so talking about being broken in the workshop, I was broken in the workshop. <laughs> like I struggled really hard and a lot of people in my cohort didn't struggle as hard as I did. Um, and not to say that, like, you know, uh, and to be clear, everyone's brilliant. Like, it would be a different conversation. I was like, oh, of course you didn't struggle hard because, like, your stories aren't worth shit. Like, people were turning in hot fire week after week. And in some cases, like, <laughs> proofread. <laughs> they, like, copy edited this shit. I'm like, bitch, I turned this in when I finished it six minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a day late already. So, like, <laughs> please read this and get through it and, like, blah, blah, blah. Um 
So it did break me in a lot of ways. Um, it, 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 it forced me to confront the fact that like, I'm not a fast writer, that a lot of times my stories are going to end up with me mining some of my own trauma. Um, even if it's obfuscated, uh, and that's hard to do, hard to write, hard to deal with. Um, and, uh, also that like, I have a lot of imposter syndrome with some of my peers who, you know, some of them are really widely published, you know, some of them are MFAs. Three of my peers in that cohort are doctors, like literal doctors. So like, I was like, bitch, I, I, barely dropped out of college like it's it it was it was kind of weird but like i understand my process better which is great i understand that i don't have to spend four days writing one day planning and two days writing i can just write um and i wrote some of the best stuff that i've ever written there so like yes but the flip side of that is this is the third flip side i'm sorry uh (laughs) the flip side of that is that like the way that workshops are treated historically it's about being brutally honest and like you got to be cool to be kind and blah 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 and i'm just like none of that shit's necessary and there were people in my cohort who had been hurt by other workshop experiences or they had never workshop before and they had a lot of trepidation about being in those spaces and so we were conscientious even though we never spoke about it about not being those people who would tear people's work down because we could like mm-hmm. that, that we didn't have any interest in that, right? And so when I think about the people who don't write anymore after doing Clarion, I'm like, I don't want to be someone who creates that person. I it, it, the best case scenario is that all 18 of us publish within the next 12 months, but it'd be really sad to me if like six to 10 of us just stop publishing altogether. So that's what I don't want. Okay, I have a couple of questions, but I want to involve the rest of the team for a minute. So you've known LP the longest, Brent. So what was it like seeing him start to apply for Clarion? And as someone like, what did you offer support, advice? Because sometimes when you're seeing your friends, you know, try to go about something major and then go through it, you know, you want to be um, supportive and, you know, give them the sense of, balance so and also just what was it like seeing your friend like go through that he didn't need my support he was bulldozing through it regardless so that was the i mean not that i'm I'm being facetious but uh yeah i mean i but i do mean that though he didn't need my support he was gonna go through it and and push through no matter what like i mean he was determined to apply to all these places then you don't give a damn what anybody else thought about it. So, uh, yeah, my support wasn't needed, but it was there. I mean, but, um, I don't know. How do I, how did I feel? Well, uh, I, I was like, Oh, it'd be nice because, you know, being a local, I kind of like have seen some of the previous clarion classes come through here and see, I'm not an alumni, so I don't have to be nice. Not all of them were that hot. Like some, some of them were, I don't know. Like, some of them were uh, pretentious, overbloated, unearned confidence. Uh, they just radiated things that I did not like necessarily. So to see his class, his class was actually a breath of fresh air. And I don't know if it has something to do with the bonding. I don't think it has anything to do with the bonding. Honestly, I just think it was a good group of people and the bonding only made it better. But so... Um, so yeah, so it was it was nice to have a class here that actually felt like they not only valued each other but they valued the work, and it wasn't a it wasn't a popularity contest or what can I do to be instructor's favorite or any of you know the things that I picked up on in the brief little bits of time I would see these classes come through because they always go to the. Um, bookstore here mysterious galaxy and it is always fascinating to see them interact and see how they interact with you know local writers in the community that might come to those particular events some of them were very dismissive of um uh, not not in andre's class but in previous classes very dismissive of local writers um that's actually how i met liz Weta. uh mm-hmm. we became friends i don't know if i ever told you the story um we became friends because there was um, these two white women in Clarion who 
thought that they didn't have to give uh, Liz a seat to sit in. So Liz came and sat by me. And, um, yeah, we became friends after that. So so, uh, so I, I say all this to say that um, I think sometimes people let the prestige of Clarion go to their head. And um, LP in this class didn't do that. You could tell they respected the... They respected the history of it, the weight of it, and also respected each other. And so I thought that was, yeah. That's awesome. So LP, you talk to me about like your, I'm going to, I'm going to bring in Nick later. Um, don't worry. Um, I'm here whenever you need it. Yeah, I know. I have a, I have something lined up for you, buddy. Um, so talk about your, every week you have a different, guest speaker right mm-hmm. and they work with the team for um a week can you kind of break it down like um what, the what that was like? like yeah you know yeah. what that was like the ideal version of it is um that your instructor comes in on sunday sits down with you talks about their expectations um at that point uh by sunday we've had stories go up at five o'clock on saturday for the people who are going to workshop on monday the stories that are going to go up on, that we're going to workshop on Tuesday will go up on Sunday at five and so on and so forth all the way through. So at that point, they've probably read um, uh, three to eight of the stories, right? Um, so ideal situation, they give expectations on, on Monday. They tell us if they have a career, craft, or theory talk sometime during the week and which day that is so we can plan around it. Frequently, that person will also have a um, reading at Mysterious Galaxy and after that, you know, Monday at nine o'clock, we are in the conference room and we're doing a four hour workshop Monday through Friday. Um, there might be a movie night on Thursday, you know, as we're trying to work our way through our our to be watched list together. Maybe asking Matt to shut the hell up so we can watch the movie instead of editorializing. I love Matt. He's the best. I love Matt, too. But like, don't get Matt watching a movie that Matt already knows and loves because they'll just talk through it. Um, look, look at this shot. Um, but they are so enthusiastic about everything and it just it's it's the cutest thing to watch it is it is very cute in the beginning i agree with that um but uh and then friday you know we have the last workshop we say thank you bring our books around people sign the thing maybe we'll have a get together on friday night like a little little party uh and people sign things and like they get on their way Saturday, we try to go to the beach and then we start writing again because someone's got work due at five o'clock on Saturday night. All right. But y'all had the good fortune of being next to like San Diego's nicest beach. So true. I hope y'all took the time to go there. They did. I did uh, not. Okay. Well, <laughs> things you learn about yourself. I just, had to, I just had to point that out, which is cra- okay. So it's kind of crazy to me that Clarion moved here and they put y'all where they put y'all, but kept you in isolation. Like you're by San Diego's nicest beach and you got to stay inside. Well, that's not, that's not the gag. The gag is that like, and they put you in the, 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 I'm okay. I'm just be blunt again. They put you out in the wackest part of the city. <laughs> that's and, the gag. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to take um a few of them out. I was like, y'all got to get out. Y'all actually got to see the city because it's it's a damn shame they keep y'all cooped up in La Jolla. Well, it's not just that it was La Jolla because La Jolla is nice. Yeah, there's stu- but but but, there's but stuff it's in La Jolla. A, there's stuff in La Jolla, but La Jolla is La like, Jolla is really white. Never discounting that. That's not the conversation. UCSD though. UCSD and well, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's and in the and in the summertime, so it's not even like UCSD alive in the moment. It's like you getting empty summer course ucsd and you in la jolla and they keep you cooped up yeah we're yeah. we're far I mean, we're far from everything but like i think like eight people had cars I mean, how much money would they save if they just put it back in like iowa idaho or something because <laughs> they're gonna keep you cooped up anyway uh, i'm sorry that's another discussion i'm getting off track <laughs> <laughs> uh that i mean yeah that's a great question for the i mean brent tell us how you really feel <laughs> i have thoughts but um no that's, I, I was just saying it just seems i don't know it just seems counterintuitive to bring writers to such a beautiful place and keep them in keep them indoors keep and, them sequestered yeah yeah i mean look access to the beach is amazing but like 
UCSD was a tech school for a very long time. And so a lot of the dorms kind of looked like concrete coffins. Like we were in a new one, which was nice. But like there are also a lot of kids in the building. So they would always come up to our floor. Like I heard you guys have nice views. Get the fuck off my floor. Like we're family. Like someone's computer might be out. I was like, can't you leave your computer out? Cause we can't close these doors. We can't stop people from getting access to this. And we did have a nice view. It was great. But, um, or just having like, we had a rough time with the cafeteria because they were supposed to, they were supposed to acknowledge some of our food sensitivities. Y'all and told that me about happen. that. They it were was, being a mess about the food. I, and that's another thing. San Diego <sighs> has some great food and y'all over here eating Soylent Green. Like they can, you said Soylent Green. That is that is very cute. That you thought that was name brand. Ooh, uh, not off brand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to slow that down, fam. It, it was hard because we have a, we had a bunch of people who were vegetarians. We had some people who were vegan. There were some people with gluten intolerances, and like they essentially served the same thing every day, and it made it really hard for people to eat. And on top of serving the same thing every day, you think that making something a lot would mean that it would be they'd perfect the recipe. I mean, it it just makes me sad because I feel like y'all didn't get to actually experience yeah, San Diego. We, we didn't experience San Diego at all. And San Diego is such a great city, and there's so much to do and experience. So it kind of like. It makes me a little sad that y'all didn't get the chance. To. Let me take that back. I didn't experience San Diego. Whenever anyone wanted to go and do like things, and they did go do things. They went to like a science center. They went to Coronado. They went. They to, went to Balboa. I met them at Balboa. And they, yeah, yeah, they did a few things. They, but you they know. did things. I was afraid that I would finish my story, so I would never let myself leave. Yeah. And so that's kind of on me and me figuring out that I need people in order to be able to do this thing long term. Well, in your defense too, I mean, you're in LA, so it's not like you're like so far from here it's like impossible to get here right but like having experiences outside of the building on ucsd to bond with that would have been nice even from a from a writing stance they should probably do some type of excursion that would probably be a really good we did a handful but i got microaggressed mm, sorry we did a handful but i got microaggressed at the one i went to so i was like y'all i ain't doing this shit with y'all gotcha. okay so i guess i have a question then so do they build in any kind of decompression for you like in the in the actual six weeks because that's it feels like i mean even on a good day churning out words is exhausting so like, did they build in any kind of like, okay, here, take a breather, recollect yourself, anything like that? No, I mean, I think I think there's, I think that there's three, four, five. There's negative space in the in the in the curriculum, right? There's like, there's four hours of workshop, right? We essentially read a novel's worth of short fiction every week. Right. So around those, assuming that you don't have ADHD <laughs> and reading isn't hard and you're not dyslexic and writing isn't hard, you know, you can have negative space around that to do things other otherwise. Right. And so all that time is yours, essentially. But like, is there like, you know, do we have <laughs> group therapy or individual therapy or like, hey, let's do that. Like the one thing we, yeah. went, we, we went to, a, a there were some scientists and Ted Chang talking about time travel. That was the one thing that we. I mean, that doesn't feel like thing. decompression, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you saying that, I, 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 I automatically got. I'm like, oh god, that sounds like a lot of thinking and a lot of talking. It was. So okay, so I don't know if Will was going to ask this, but I mean, where do you think Clarion could like do better at being fitting more modern concerns? I guess. You know what? Before you answer that, because yeah. that's a great question. I want to lead into the actual um, instructors of behaviors that you felt helped and behaviors that you felt, you know, wasn't the most supportive of being a creative person. Okay, so (laughs) is this hold on? Is this is this a question that like we gotta be like? No, I'm I'm gonna answer it the way I'm gonna answer it. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I I framed it in a way that no, you did very well. LP can LP can be open to answer whatever he wants. So here's 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 the the non half tea right. Stuff happened with my clarion that I'm not going to talk about because out of respect for the rest of my cohort. Um, if it only involved me, I would tell the whole world everything. Y'all, you, you would already know. 
<laughs> it would be on Twitter. I would start a blog so that you could see the blog post because I just have a hard time with wrong walking in the world saying that it's right. We're going to leave that alone. But things that, that could be helpful, um, you know, we came in with an openness um, to this experience of, of learning and, and, and getting this thing to achieving this thing, this thing that we've, we've dreamed of some of us for two years after we got in some of like one of our cohort had been applying to clearing for 10 years. Right. So we came in ready to like have this experience. And, uh, sometimes, sometimes instructors kind of felt intimidated by our closeness because in a normal clarion, you know, 18 people don't know each other. They just walk in and the only person that they kind of know, or maybe kind of know is like the picture of the instructor for the week or the facilitator, let's call them facilitators, the facilitator for the week. And so that person would be the person that people will cotton on to. Meanwhile, we spent the past two years together for the most part, uh, with the exception of two people. And we invited them in whole cloth because like one of, one of the things that, one of the first things that I said when we, they came into the group was just like, Hey, like there's no, there's no, you know, there are no ringers, right? Like all of us got in because our work was the best. All of us got in because like blah, 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 whatever. Like we had one person who was a, who was waitlisted at the very beginning. And like the class wouldn't be the same without that person. Right. So them being in the class now was like, this is what it was meant to be. This is where it was supposed to be. Right. Um, but like some people felt intimidated by how close we were and that made things difficult. So let's follow that up with Brent's question. What was Brent's question? So uh, what do you think Clarion could do to um, be better as a, as an experience when taking in a lot of modern concerns? Yeah, I think one of the, um, one of the things is that like Clarion isn't necessarily made for people who are neurodivergent. We had a lot, there's a lot of neurodivergence in my group. Um, specifically one of us is dyslexic um, and reading was really hard for that person. Uh, I'm also, I, I'm a, I have ADHD and so reading is also really hard for me. Also sitting down to write is really hard for me. Um, and there are a couple of ways and concerns that we could have like addressed those for, for different people, that which I thought would have been useful. The other thing that isn't clearing specific, I think this is endemic to the writing workshop, um, being a facilitator for a writing workshop is a skill that not everyone has, that people can develop. And that's 100% true. The thing is that we keep talking about facilitators like they're teachers. And that's a problem for me because being able to facilitate a workshop isn't the same as teaching. Workshops are just workshops. You're reading work, you're commenting on work, and then the person's going back to do whatever they can with whatever they blah, 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 blah. The thing about teaching, there weren't a lot of, there were some craft workshops, there were some theory workshops, there were some career workshops, which were all great, right? But there wasn't a lot of teaching. And historically, writing workshops have been a struggle because people with books could qualify as facilitators, but they weren't teaching. They were just facilitating a workshop, which is A-okay if that's what we're doing. Uh, I think that building in a teaching function would reduce a little of the reading time. It would reduce some of the writing time, but I think that people would benefit from it. I think like I, I benefit from knowing how writers who have a track record of writing and writing successfully and publishing books or short stories or whatever the hell, like how they move through their process or, Hey, try this exercise. I won't be able to see it, but the writer, the, the instruct, the facilitator instructor for the next week might be able to see you implement this in the way that you're telling stories for the next week, you know? And I think that would be super helpful um, because we were light on craft workshops. We were very light on craft workshops. And talk to us about like what the craft workshops looked like. I mean, craft workshops can look like, hey, this is a deep dive into horror. Let's talk about what horror looks like. All right, what do you think about horror? Let's debunk some of the myths about horror. Great. So here are some some exercises you can do around horror and see how that applies to this, that, and the other thing. Uh, same with dialogue. We did a revision workshop with um, Anjali Sachdeva, which was really fucking cool. It was super fucking helpful to... I'm not going to say what it was because I'm going to butcher <laughs> her her method, but like... It was really nice. Uh, Ted Cheng gave a theory workshop on he he debunked the idea that oh, Joyce Carol Oates just ruined this. 
Uh, but this idea that like uh, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology will look like magic to people who don't understand it. And he wrote an essay that debunked that, which was super interesting. Didn't necessarily agree with it, but it gave me a springboard to a story. That's all we need. And so those were some of the good ones. There was a craft talk with Sam J. Miller, which was really nice. Um, there was a Q&A with Greg Van Eekhout. Like we had some, we had some, oh, and uh, uh, Jeff Ryman. Jeff Ryman brought in this young woman who did uh, um, a pitching workshop, uh, which was really cool. So things that were useful, but like for me, it felt kind of craft light and kind of instruction light. Do they give you like a, uh, before you're starting the, um, once you're like accepted and do they give you any type of sheet to fill out of saying what you're looking to strengthen in, what you want to get out of this? No. And I think they don't because th- I think the, I think they, they are clarion, you know, they, they haven't, they haven't had to get any real feedback that would change the workshop because you go through it and then you go on to your career or you stop writing. Right. It's only in my opinion, like recently with SL Huang's um, essay on the history of the writing workshop and how it interacts with science fiction, fantasy and horror that we started to have conversations about like what the workshop is and what the workshop is doing, what it could be doing, what it should be doing. Yeah. Now I'm going to get to Nick into a minute, but I, I just say, I got I, a problem with what you yeah, just I wa- said. I want to get to you in a minute. I'm going to say problems. this next. It was interesting. I was with my writing group and, um, this is going to lead into what you're doing. <laughs> Slow down. Um, and it was about what I learned, why my writing has gotten better since I started art school. Mm-hmm. And it's because um, my professor has always, when we're doing critiques, it's not about breaking someone. Mm-hmm. It's really about, this is what's really looking good right now. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And this is how you can work on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, which leads me to Nick. I want to talk about, you know, what do you see different in the type of program you have at Western for your MFA versus what they're going through in the six week boot camp, which has been like phrased as like a MFA program in six weeks? Like it's it's been that's what a lot of people describe it we, as sometimes. Yeah, there's, there's a discussion about that. Nick, you should go before I launch into that. Yeah. So I mean, just hearing like your story or what other people's stories, the first problem that I have with it is how many people stop writing for long periods of time afterwards and how they still have this workshop mentality of like you gotta like be mean to be nice to really get your point across. Well, even if you subtract the be mean to be nice part, it's uh-huh. a recipe for burnout. Yeah. It's a recipe for burnout and 100%. like there's there's no like getting around that. So the idea that someone would stop writing for a little while afterward they're going to have to in order to like refill the well, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like uh, someone that someone who's writing I really respect was struggling in week six. And like it was really sad to watch them struggle. And I'm also like, wait, I'm fucking struggling in week six. Like, like this is this shit is hard as hell. Right. And like everyone's giving their best. And so that part with the condensedness, mm-hmm. that's not a word condensation that's not it either no it's condensed we we know what you mean (laughs) i was like wait we we get the gist uh but with the with 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 the aggregate aspect of it like several of my cohort have mfas and they're like yeah if you can do this you can do an mfa program we would in my they're like in my program i did three short stories in a semester we did three short stories in the first half so i was like okay i hear what you're saying but continue yeah no no and that's 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 the biggest thing right is burnout right there and like so for us, my first year, every two, we spent two to three weeks on a genre. I can't imagine trying to figure out how to fit everything I learned in two to three weeks in a day or even in a week um, or in one craft talk and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so that like to me, like it almost feels like, yeah, it's an MFA in six weeks, mm-hmm. but is that beneficial? So what like how much are you like what are you not able to take in because it's like you're drinking from a fire hose at that point right Mm. what are you missing what can you not take in like in that format that would be more beneficial on an mfa program because there's so little instruction you're not what you're not taking in it's not even that it's a conversation about because what what i found is 
it drills you down into the core of what your writing is versus as long as you're not writing to the room. And we tried to make sure that people weren't writing to the room because like the reason that people got in, we didn't know each other when we got in. Right. So right. like we, we, we tried to narrow people into their expertises and like, as that happened, people showed up and showed out. Right. So rather than like, Oh, well, you know, how are you going to get, how are you going to get uh horror in, in, and really understand horror in two weeks. No, what we were doing is like, how are you going to get to the core of what it is that you do as a writer? So that part works. Uh, asterisks. Well, and I mean, I can't believe I'm about to defend institutions, but um, <laughs> I think with the Clarion people, y'all guys come in at, um, trying to think of the right way to word this, a good metaphor. Uh, y'all are like the AP course of an MFA class. If I, if from what I can tell from the outside looking in, and I say that because um, to get like you said, it's eighteen slots. Like you pretty much are, pretty much like trying to get into like a a minor league MFA program. So you mm-hmm. guys are coming in there with, I, I'm assuming, um, an elevated understanding of most things writing related. Then I think. And again, I'm just making assumptions. Then someone coming into MFA program right off the bat. So I think there's a little bit of an expectation of of Clarion students coming in there with um a much better grip on certain elements, certain tactics and whatnot of writing than um your average MFA person. But I think more than anything, the greatest benefit of Clarion is um <laughs> the name itself, right? Because so much of writing and the publishing world and the publishing industry is uh you know who you know where you've been where they've been uh whose whose seats have you sat in who have you talked to and and who's going to remember your name later mm-hmm. on and i think clarion for better or worse is like a networking epicenter of like the sffh industry so if there's no other benefit compared to your standard MFA program, I would say it's that. But. Well, let me let me throw this in because I want to make sure that, you know, people in their MFA programs get their flowers. I didn't graduate from college. And so me getting an MFA is very unlikely, right? And so... Hell, me too. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that, like, it's clear that, like, people apply to MFAs and don't get in. Like, people in my cohort have applied to MFAs and haven't gotten in. So, like, that that's a whole thing. Um people in my cohort with books that they haven't announced yet are applying to MFAs and not getting in. But that's a whole other conversation about gatekeeping and yeah, institutions. But like it, 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 it takes a thing to get into a program. So that's, that's that. But um, yeah, there are definitely benefits. There are, <laughs> there are industry secrets that people do not tell you. There is a lot of gatekeeping that people don't tell you that there are gates to. There are magazines there are publications that are not open to submissions, but they always have content. You know, I'm talking about two. You're not thinking about the other one. Boom. Uh, Which, well, <laughs> <we're> offline, <laughs> right? But like that exists, right? And so there are there are people who are like, oh, well, you've gone gone to Clarion. We're checking for you now. There are people who are like, oh, you've gone to Clarion. Well, I personally will sight unseen send your ex to y person um and that's it's it, it's heartening like when when those things came out in the last week i had a rough clarion everyone didn't have it as rough a clarion as i did because my mental health was suffering i was not going outside and doing the fun shit i was just staying inside and trying to write all the time i had a really rough clarion so those like little nuggets of something really helped also shout out my last week was with uh Gwenda Bond and Christopher Rowe and like they were ebullient they were effusive they were so excited about being there and like being supportive of us and uh 
and, and not just some of us, not the ones they thought were good. They were willing to give all of us help. I emailed Gwenda like three weeks ago asking her like, how does one prepare for X, Y, and Z? And she, she came back and was like, which email do you want to use? I was like, oh, this one. And then rather than telling me how to prepare for the thing, I was in a conversation with somebody to help a thing move forward. So it's just like sight unseen. They respect what we're doing. And like, that was effing amazing. But like, Week six kind of made my clarion in a lot of ways, but I also got to read a bunch of brilliant fiction. So now that clarion is done and it's been done since the second week of August. First. First week. We got home on the 30th of July. So how does it feel now that it's, we're in like late September, how do you feel with a little bit of distance? Um, I want to write again. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm at a place where I can edit some things, maybe do some revision. Um, but I have plans to maybe try a nano thing. We'll see how that goes. But like, I have a better sense of what I'm capable of as a writer, which is super important, like a, a very big deal because you know, I, maybe I hadn't tested myself enough up through that point. Um, I also have a sense of like what I want to accomplish next. Well, ADHD. I always want to accomplish 37 things, but like I have a sense of like uh, a order of like what's important, what's most important, what's least important. So those things feel really helpful. And I'm super excited about, about my people who hadn't, haven't been published up through this point and like them taking their stuff into the world because there's some, some, there's some, some really talented, you know, names, Matt, Olivas is a beast. <laughs> um, Gwendolyn Hicks is a beast. Stefan Holtry is a beast. VG Campin. Um, TK Rex is already out there wrecking shop. Uh, they have a bunch of stories coming out over the next six months. Uh, Sam Asher, Chelsea Sutton. I'm going to forget people. Y'all know Shingai just won the Ignite Award. Yes, I was so honored to be able to do that. But yeah. <laughs> like there's so many people and anyone I didn't name. Oh, y'all are going to y'all are going to lose your shit over Theodora Marcico. Um uh Andrew Dana Hudson's already blazing a trail. Sam Lastman doesn't have much fiction published, but it is so damn good. There's so many people that like you guys are gonna lose your shit about when their work starts coming out, and I'm so excited for that to happen. What advice would you give someone if one they're applying and then they get accepted? Okay, um, applying, though what you have, though the best of what you have, go into it like an apology, right? You can't make, you can't mend the relationship, but all you can do is do your part. You can't force them to take you, but what you can do is give your best work and try your damnedest. And knowing that you probably pro that the odds are low that you want, that you'll get in, just throw it, just throw it, and just fling it, right? Uh, and if you're accepted, um, um, your cohort can be your fucking rock. Um, unfortunately, it seems like every cohort has a person who, a person or two, maybe three, that doesn't gel all the time that doesn't you know 18 people it's not it doesn't make sense that everybody were like oh my god we're all gonna get along all the time like sometimes it happens but like push comes to shove like some those people are also in your corner do you know what i'm saying so like um i think it's important to just like really invest in your cohort because your instructors are great they're fantastic but they're gone in a week they're gone in a week and you have these 17 people who are going to be your cohort for the rest of your life knock on wood you know so invest in your cohort um and let me shoot one to the people who aren't going to go to clarion because you don't need to do this there are plenty of people who are successful and have really great careers and they never go to clarion um because on the negative side clarion is expensive as shit um not everybody one person in my cohort had to leave their child for six weeks. Another person brought their child partner, two dogs with them, like uprooted their family to come do Clarion. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard. It's like, uh, I left personally, I left my job for six weeks and came back to financial and housing instability. Um, and like, I'm still trying to recover from going to Clarion. Like, this shit is hard. And if you can do, 
if you can stu- if you can do if you can find a group of people that you want to do this with without going to Clarion, do it's okay to do that as well if you want to do an intense study. Uh, also, I should shout out Odyssey because uh, they've they looking at their syllabus. It's very instruction heavy as well as workshop, and they they it, there's a curriculum, um, which I think is super cool because I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, and so, yeah, shout out to Odyssey. That's a that's a, you're not gonna, a great option. You're not going to get off here without shouting out yourself. So, um, Voodoo Knots. Who said I was going to get out of here? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Voodoo Knots is also a space that um, that is being created that I strongly feel like is uh, a much better model for um, black writers in particular and uh, how to, you know, build community with their um with their writing so to uh to lp's point you don't have to do this but also don't take it to the extreme and you know stubbornly don't seek out community in an effort to be like fuck the man i don't need uh clarity yeah you know still seek out community it's still out there and there's still spaces that can do the same kind of things and maybe a better fit for you oh bitch okay then let me let me get on your back then uh, the Just Keep Writing Discord server. All right, bitches. Well, that's more. The, uh, t- okay, so I'm not gonna take a lot of credit for that. That is more will than anyone else. So I will. Let- what, what I see is a community of writers who write together. They workshop each other's work together. They they book sh- they uh, book club together. Like it's pretty self or- it's pretty self organized. Like which and is what I like about great, it. But like but everyone checks into your episodes every time the episodes drop. So I'm like I don't know what to tell you. Y'all did that. Yeah, it was a team effort. I think all of us contribute in different ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Why do you see my... Which reminds us, everyone should join our Discord. It's free. It's free. Yeah. It's free and it's popping. It says it's part of our Patreon, like if you donate a dollar. But really, like thinking about it, that's really not our energy. Our energy is really we want everyone, whether you can afford it, or not or donate or not you should be a part of the community but if you do join our patreon we you love get that. other bonuses there's for other sure. bonuses you'll get an automatic invite so you don't have to go searching for one it's which is show nice. notes but it is always in the show notes but i also want to give a, a a nice shout out um to our to our local bookstore that we talked about multiple times already mysterious galaxy I mean, they're a great bookstore. We got to visit them today. Um, just want to give them a shout out, right? They're an independent bookstore specializing in fantasy, science fiction, young adult, mystery, and horror. Um, so if you're out in San Diego, come check them out. You can look them up online at mystgalaxy.com. Which, but, speaking hey, of money. But, but one day, but speaking they're going to make Brent a lot books, of money. Brent, you have a book coming out. Could you tell us about it? And when it comes, when does it come out? I don't know when it comes out, actually, just because um, I am currently in the hell throes of editing. So um, (laughs) no idea when it comes out. Um, Dave is being very patient with me on that front. So um, no, I have have 11 copies on reserve. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah. I feel like a slacker. I haven't haven't ordered enough copies, obviously. Oh, God, please. Look, don't make the editing worse. Right now, it's hell. Like, this, it is is massively... We could do a whole episode about how much I hate this process right now. But um, (laughs) it's going to get there. It'll get there. I mean, the writing of it was hard, too. So, like... The writing of it was hard. The editing's been hard. There's been nothing about this novella that has been... The cover reveal. Easy. Yeah, the cover, the cover was great. The cover was easy. The, the cover, cover was beautiful. Easy. The cover She's was beautiful. Pretty. Honestly, that She's cover is bitch. what has motivated me from just not going to Dave and be like, look, just fuck it. I'm done. I can't do this. <laughs> like, <it> could, <laughs> the cover. Please, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bitch, I'm waiting. Yeah, the cover, the cover has been the th- honestly the thing to be like dragging me forward and be like, Brent, you got to finish this. You, you can't not have a story with that cover. So, um, and short, I guess long long story short, I don't know. I am putting all of my willpower into getting it done fairly soon. You got this. We're very excited. Yeah, you're, it's going to be great. And LP, speaking of, you know, you had a great time at Clarion. You produced some stuff. You've been producing over the last couple of years, though. 
where can people find you and where can we read some of your stuff? Okay, for context, I am a slow writer, but it is a, a slow and of high quality. So <laughs> how many stories do I have? have out? Five. Am I industrious about getting things podcasted afterward? Yes, I am. Uh, podcast your work afterward. Like, get it reprinted because it don't make no damn sense for that shit to just sit there and not do anything for you. I think I can talk about this particular thing. <laughs> I think Please I can. Do. Yeah, I think I can. I don't think it's against the rules for me to talk about it because it doesn't. It's not a spoiler or anything. Um, so I actually am the narrator for uh one of um LP's stories that's coming out on Podcastle. I'm so excited. So yeah, it was really good. Like he said, high quality. Um, it was really fun. Uh, yeah. And so if any, and I I wanted more of it by the time I was done reading it. And also, too, it felt good to like read a story. See, this is the thing. I'm well. We're gonna talk about your work now. Yeah, let's All right. It. So this is the thing that I like about um, LP's work. Okay, so I'm gonna make it quick. Fourteen minutes. Got it. Uh, I'm gonna make it quick. All right. So uh, LP's work is it is the kind of fantasy I just want more of because it is it is secondary, but it is still very much black. You know how like you have Lord of the Rings and everybody all of a sudden has a damn British or Irish accent for some fucking reason. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> His people talk like black people. So, yeah, uh, just just check it out. I have fun narrating it. So it should be coming out soon. We'll put we'll post some links in the show notes. And of course, also, he was in tour.com as one of the best can short I, can I do stories. This? Is that OK, I got y'all. I got y'all. Uh-huh. Okay, go okay, ahead. Okay. Keep okay. going. Because y'all know it. I got a list. I've been keeping, keeping track. I mean, go, for go for it. Ooh, gonna take some time, right? Okay, so first, uh, I guest edited an issue of um, Speculative City that focused on queer trans people of color. Uh, that came out in August, and I'm super proud of it. Features writers like Shiony White, uh, Matt Olivas, uh, AP Thayer, Kel Coleman, uh, Darwin Mack, uh, uh, Joseph Hope, um, and with uh, some nonfiction that includes. Uh, Arlie Sorg, Susan Palumbo, and Iori Kusano, but there's also like a feature from ABO Comics, which is a uh, organization that supports uh, incarcerated peoples. Check it out, and if you really like it, support the Patreon so Mira can make more. Mira is the editor-in-chief of that magazine. It's fantastic. Um, one. Two, um, uh, my short story, Wanderlust, just came out in Anathema. Uh, which is a magazine that publishes uh, QT Pac as well. Um, people are really loving it, feeling reflected by it. That makes me very excited, very happy. Um, and it was featured in Alex Brown's uh, August re- uh, uh, To Be Read. No, wait, Must Reads for August on, on tour.com. That was really amazing. That was my fourth time on on that. And I'm really thankful to Alex. I'm really thankful that it's resonating with people. Um, Voodoo Knots is a grassroots collective uh committed to the underrepresentation committed to addressing the underrepresentation and isolation of black creators in speculative fiction um and the centerpiece of what we do during the summer is a fellowship retreat but what's coming up next is our first anthology which is called voodoo knots present uh reliving mythology through android press we're super excited about that we just got a publisher's weekly review it was a nice review it was, it was a, a nice really good review. review wasn't starred but i was like you know what that's okay and i have a copy so everyone can be jealous oh i mean i'm very jealous because i don't have a copy um i have the manuscript so uh those are the things that are on and then there's a, there's the thing that brent narrated i was so excited they asked me what kind of narrator i wanted i was like can you find a black gay man from the south side of chicago and they found the next best thing yeah they got two they got two of the check marks yeah 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 what do i need i don't know i think that's everything. i think you covered everything i think yeah i think that's yeah well do you have anything that you want to say before we cut the time off here 14 more minutes lp what just keeps you writing oh shit why am I surprised by this? <laughs> it shouldn't have thrown. I mean, it should not. Have, it should not this happens to this everybody. Brain, you know this question's coming to you here when we get your novella, I mean, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to keep reminding you because I forget every time I get asked it. Oh, I know exactly what answer is going to be. Anyway, his answer is going to be spite. But um, <laughs> uh, what keeps me writing is like. I I I write the things that I needed. I write I write 
things that make me want to feel like Kaya Shanti Wilson because I didn't know who Kaya Shanti Wilson was until I read him. Do you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. like, you know, secondary world, great. Black people in the future, great. Black people surviving horror movies, great. And being black as fuck, not just like, oh, look, there's a, look, Brandy's in, I didn't still know what you did last summer and she survived. I was like, great. If I replaced her with a white person, would she be the same character? Yes? Okay. Mm. Got it. Okay. Mm. And so I have, a, I have a real problem with, with, with token blackness. That's why my characters sound black in secondary worlds and they sound black in the future and they sound black in horror and they even sound black underwater. It's really nice. Um, I write the things that I, that I needed so that hopefully other people will get what they need. I love it. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.